Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Jay Mace, and welcome back to another edition of Beyond the Album Cover, where not only do I interview people inside the entertainment industry and give them their flowers, I interview people outside as well. And this man right here, no stranger to Beyond the Album Cover, making major moves in the triad area. For those of you that don't know, that's Greensboro, Winston-Salem, High Point. Founder, creator of Tobacco Road Sports Radio, which you can hear wherever you stream podcasts and locally in the triad area on terrestrial radio. My man, Desmond Johnson. Des, welcome back to Beyond the Album Cover, bro. And how are you? Hey, man. Appreciate you having me back on. Uh, everything's lovely. Work is good. Staying busy and uh, just still continue trying to dodge these COVID raindrops that are out here. Uh, just finished dealing with it myself uh, last week. So, uh everybody can be touched <laughs> it's basically the rule there so uh just doing doing thing man doing a thing how you been yeah i've been good man been busy as ever but i want to touch on since you said you just coming off of um dealing with covid how are you doing and how is everybody around you doing because like you stated it's out here and it's something serious i'm doing okay um what happened was my daughter uh she's in the fifth grade she uh i got called to the office two mondays ago uh because she wasn't feeling well she she was complaining of a headache which is one of the COVID symptoms and come to find out that there was a kid in her class that she sits beside that came to school sick and he was in the office too so they were already worried that they'd you know been exposed or whatnot so i took her out of school got her tested she tested positive for COVID that that night so myself my wife my oldest and and uh and my youngest were all close contact so we were like well we need to go into quarantine for five days because i mean there's no way for us to avoid each other in this house so i was on quarantine that whole week and then um and i was feeling fine and then uh that friday i woke up in the morning with cold chills and i'm just like ah <laughs> like i, I realized because once you have it you realize you have it and like it was cold chills i checked my my temperature it was like 100.3 so i had a low-grade fever going on uh body aches well, omnicron it's like your your thighs and like your lower back are real sore uh it's more of an upper respiratory type thing though so it didn't really get the drainage or anything into your lungs or anything like that and i'll be honest man i just took some dayquil uh all day friday and kind of layered up on blankets and clothes that night sweated out a lot uh overnight that's saturday kind of the same way and then uh by the time i woke up sunday morning I was feeling about 70, 80% again. I felt like I sweated it out. Um, there's some lingering stuff like with your sinuses and runny noses and stuff, but that could be from, I mean, we've had two snowstorms in six days, so I'm not even sure if that's coming from there, but I'm okay. My wife is getting over it right now. Uh, she had a little bit of a longer bout and uh, my kid was fine Tuesday. <laughs> like literally, like I, she, she was fine like 24 hours later. So uh, getting through it, I mean, I don't know how I was able to go over a year and a half without catching it being in crowded school gyms and press boxes and all these sporting events and uh, ended up catching it from my kid from a kid at her school in the end. So it just is what it is. But if I wasn't vaccinated, it probably would have been way worse. Yeah, well, glad to hear that you and the family are recovering and doing OK, because I know that Stephen A was on first take this week talking about his battle with COVID and how it's real and the doctors were telling him if it wasn't for him being vaxxed up it would have been a whole lot worse so people take this serious yeah for sure uh i look up stephen a and um him he's been an advocate of the vaccination 
for you know since it came out and uh yeah i saw that too when he first came back and he was saying you know the doctors were telling him if he hadn't been vaccinated he probably wouldn't be here and uh i'm, I'm thankful me and my family have been vaccinated all my immediate family my mother and father uh my mother-in-law so <clears throat> everybody that's in close proximity to us uh throughout the week has been vaccinated so uh, we're not we're, we're not walking around wondering if we're spreading it to someone else or anything of that effect. I, I don't know if I could go through all that kind of stuff. Uh, nor do I think I could go through having this for two plus weeks. Like it was enough just having it for two days. And I can't imagine the ones that have been dealing with it long term. Mm -hmm. Now, one person I don't care about getting that jab is Djokovic. He just got deported from Australia because they're very strict as far as the COVID vaccine is concerned and you got to be vaxxed up in order to come into the country. Apparently, he lied on his application saying that he was vaxxed and he had to stay to try to see if he could still stay in the country to play. But in the end, Australia gave him the boot and said, you can't go down under. So he got deported. Yep, got to play by the rules. I mean, that's the thing I think that bothers me the most with like that and like Kyrie Irving and some others, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Antonio Brown, where some people feel like they can circumvent what everybody else is having to go through. Like if we're all having to take this vaccine for the betterment of society, why should a select handful not have to take it? Like that, that's the thing that bothers me. It's like they feel like if they just wait it out, they won't have to take it and everything's fine. But in effect, what's happening is it's, it's affecting hospitals, it's affecting emergency rooms that are getting overwhelmed with unvaccinated people catching COVID. And it, it just seems like a simple solution, but I'm kind of out of the game of trying to convince people why they need to do this or why they need to do that. At this point, I look at it like with the vaccine, you've had, it's here, it's been here for a year. You've had more than enough time to research it and figure out if it's best for you. I get it. There's some people that it's not good for. Uh, they may have underlying conditions or whatever it may be, but don't take it just out of fear. Don't take it just because of, you know, you think it's a bad thing. Like go and do your own due diligence, like people say, and make that decision for yourself. Talk to your doctors and uh, and get the right info. Don't just depend on info that's on Facebook or from your friends or whatever, or a copy and paste meme. Go get the right info and make a choice for yourself and, and go from there. And that's what me and my family did. We weren't first in line to go get the vaccines, but we weren't last in line either. We, we took our time and uh, researched and realized that, it was good for me and my family and that's the decision we made and i'm thankful we did because i'm able to sit here without having to deal with a second week of covid um because of it mm -hmm. yeah so make the right decision that's good for you good for your family and the one thing i respect about Kyrie is that he's standing on his decision even though to me he comes across kind of like you, you remember sharif in menace to society where constantly pushing you know <laughs> the black man this and when they were in the car at the chop shop like hey put this in man man you better go somewhere with that black power stuff you know that stuff gets no plan this ride <laughs> he took too many fs courses and listened to public enemy x clan arrested development right yeah wanting everybody <laughs> to get up on it and rock kente cloth yeah i yeah i can see the comparison there <laughs> Yeah, hilarious. So another thing that's hilarious, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this in the upcoming episode of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast, which is great, by the way, that um, word is that the Panthers are looking to hire Ben McAdoo as Panthers OC. They tried to get Pep Hamilton to come in for an interview, but he looked at the situation and did a Bishop Bullwinkle and said, no to the no. I ain't coming here. 
I, you know, there's still kind of now as we as we do this uh, taping, Ben McAdoo, they're working at the final money and everything else. But it does appear Ben McAdoo is going to be the next offensive coordinator for the Panthers. Um, I want it Pep Hamilton. He's from Charlotte. Uh, he's kind of considered a quarterback whisperer. Basically was with Andrew Luck his entire career at Stanford and with the Colts. Uh, was with Justin Herbert and the Chargers the first uh, his rookie year last year in Los Angeles. Uh, is in Houston now as the quarterback's coach. Um, I think it was more, I think Pep decided to stay where he was because he had more of an opportunity to advance where he is because uh, Houston just fired their head coach. So I don't know if it was so much that Pep didn't want to come home or he didn't want to coach under Matt Rule. I think he just kind of looked at the situation and was like, well, hell, I got a situation right here in Houston where they might give me a shot to be the head coach. And if I can be the head coach, maybe I can convince Deshaun Watson to stay. You know, that kind of, Maybe that's where he's thinking in that uh, mindset. We just finished doing the, uh, the rundown uh, live for this past Saturday, uh, minutes before I came onto this with you. And uh, one of the last segments we had was on the Panthers and the hiring of Ben McAdoo. And uh, shout out to uh, Larry Frank from Frankly Speaking Sports. He's our, our morning uh, host at Tobacco Road, Tuesdays through Thursdays at 11 a.m. And he laid out some pretty valid points for Ben McAdoo in terms of him probably being the best hire out of the batch that they had this whole uh rock star offensive coordinator search or whatever the pants were going through there's no such thing as a rock star offensive coordinator i don't know where this term came from or who this guy was supposed to be but if there's a rock star offensive coordinator he's probably interviewing for head coaching jobs not other offensive coordinating jobs so i I don't that kind of threw off the fan base a little bit uh because ben mcadoo doesn't really strike you as a rock star offensive coordinator uh, but he is a good one. Aaron Rodgers talks highly of him when he was the quarterback coach uh, with the Packers. Um, Eli Manning had his best years of his career when he was the offensive coordinator of the Giants, and he put the Giants as a top 10 offense somehow. Um, he wasn't a good head coach, but he was a pretty good offensive coordinator. And Matt Rule needed someone that had NFL experience calling NFL plays, and he did not have that on the roster. And even Pep Hamilton has never called uh, plays uh, in an NFL game. So uh, the guys that they had out there, I think Scotty Montgomery, the former ECU coach, uh, and he, he was officer coordinator at Duke and Maryland, uh, wasn't very good <clears throat> at any of those, but he got a second interview uh, and a couple others. I'm, I'm kind of turning the page on McAdoo a little bit. I feel like it was a pretty responsible hire, not really a splash hire, but the Panthers need responsible, not, not splash right now. Right, but do you think that'll be enough to save Rule's job? Because I believe if he goes 0-3, 0-4, Tepper's probably going to want to pull the plug and Rule's probably going to want to call Mayflower and get that Midnight Express moving special. Um, I don't know, and that's because we haven't heard from David Tepper, which is probably a good thing. Uh, the best, the worst thing that could happen was Matt Rule going on to WFNZ last week and trying to explain away the 2021 season. He kind of dug a bigger hole for himself where if he had just not gone on at all, the Panthers would be an afterthought. We're in the playoffs. So like no one's thinking about the Panthers right now. And we wouldn't even think about the Panthers until uh, draft time pretty much in March. So we had a couple of months reprieve where we could reset. Uh, people can get the bad taste out of their mouth about the season and the way it ended and, and everything else, Cam Newton and everything and, um, and move forward with future things. But instead what rule did on that interview was kind of keep the taste in our mouth. So now we're looking for David Tepper to say something. And the smartest thing for Tepper is to say nothing. Like don't go out at all. Don't say anything. Just let it kind of peter out and we'll, we'll deal with this uh, after we fix some of the problems that we have. And I think that's what Tepper is doing. That's why we haven't seen him 
or, or heard from him in any capacity really since the season ended. And that's probably the smart thing. Um, the Panthers got, they've got some holes, of course, the offensive line, Sam Darnold's not the answer at quarterback. I hate to say it because he's my, one of my favorite players of all time, but Cam Newton isn't either. Um, we, they got to move forward and find that guy, whoever it may be, wherever they do it, free agency, the draft, whatever it might be. But that's clearly the biggest position that the Panthers need to address along with offensive line in this offseason. And I feel fairly confident that they'll take a jab at doing that. So uh, to answer your question, I don't know if, uh, say, Matt Rule comes out and he starts 0-4. Yeah, that seat's going to get super hot. But <clears throat> will they? I, I don't know. I, I, we, there's so many questions about this roster. I can't really make an estimate on how they're going to start. But uh, he does deserve to at least start year three. This was a seven-year contract that he was given to throw him out after two seasons where one of them was COVID and no fans, and he didn't even meet his players until July. That doesn't really seem like a fair assessment. But he's running out of road. Um, they got to see some sort of, improvement of some sort this year like and he knows that matt rule knows that they got to show it this year or matt rule's gonna probably get to show the door yeah that leash is getting super short and also shout out to four man rush um great podcast keep you up to date on panthers football listening to them and how now because of social media some of the coaches who had early growing pains in their second or third year in probably wouldn't even make it to fulfill their full coaching duties because the chorus has gotten louder and I'm sure players, owners, and everybody else that's higher up pays attention and they're more prone to kind of cave to the loud voices of social media because if we look at Coach K at Duke, in his early years, he struggled and they wanted to can him, but the AD at the time went to bat for him and said, no, this is my guy. I'm going to ride or die with him and look at where Duke is now. Yeah, I mean, look at the previous two coaches for the, the Panthers, John Fox and Ron Rivera. Uh, they both had under 500 records their first two years coaching with the Panthers, but John Fox was 2001, Ron Rivera was 2011. So we still weren't where we are today in social media and the fans feeling like they've got more of a, a say in what happens with the team and personnel. Uh, you're seeing that right now with Matt Rule where every – Every Sunday afternoon and every Monday morning during the NFL season, I'd get on Twitter to look for some news stories for uh, a sportsman that I do for a local radio station here in the triad. And over on the right-hand corner of Twitter, it would always trending would be Matt Rule every single Monday for like the past two months. And I'm like, we lost our football game. It's never good when your head coach is trending on Twitter and you're in the middle of like a five-game losing streak or whatever. And you click on his name and it's just, fire Matt Rule, fire Matt Rule, Matt Rule doesn't know what he's doing, Matt Rule, Matt Rule, like all of it's just boom, 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 boom. And I don't remember John Fox or Ron Rivera having to deal with that. Uh, granted, John Fox and Ron Rivera's teams tended to get better as the year went on, especially Rivera. His, uh, his teams tended to start to peak after Thanksgiving. Like regardless of what their record was, they would rattle off four or five wins right after Thanksgiving weekend and, uh, and would be that hot team going into the next year. Fox the same way they would typically uh, start or end strong. We haven't seen that in the two years with Matt rule where in both years, actually the team started out. Okay. And then fell off a cliff and never recovered. So that's going to be the trick with Matt rule going forward with the Panthers. Uh, can he get these, these players to commit the whole season and not seem detached by the time we get to December? Uh, can he, he's got clearly an eye for talent. Cause I mean, looking at the defense that was all built in the draft. 
So they, they've been able to do that in two years. But this quarterback situation, man, it's really dragged down the franchise. And I think uh, a lot of fans forget it's really been four years, not two years. And I think they're putting those extra two years on Matt Rule because the two years before he got here, we were dealing with no Cam Newton. Like Cam Newton was hurt for the better part of two years. And Ron Rivera was basically having to try to figure out how to win games without his, without number one. So it's really those, the last two years of Rivera and then these two years of Matt rule together, it's been four years that the Panther fans have been struggling and uh, we're seeing the, the after effects of that right now. Mm-hmm. And this year's QB class is very weak. So I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. So Panthers draft O-line and see what you can do next season. Now, before we switch gears to the NBA really quick, give me your Super Bowl picks. And also, did you see the trailer for the Super Bowl halftime show that'll be taking place this year? Yes. Uh, Anybody that knows me knows that Dr. Dre is one of my favorite producers and artists of all time. I've always, whenever you hear that question, you know, table for four, who would you have three people sit with you at a a dinner table to have conversation with for one night? Dr. Dre is always the first person that I would pick. Um, I respect his ear Uh, coming from audio world. I feel like his ear is unparalleled. Uh, He's able to hear things that most people don't hear. He's able to put things together. Most people just don't have the ability to do. I've been a fan for over 25 plus years. Pretty much whoever the biggest hip hop star was, just pick a year from 89 to present day, pick the biggest hip hop star out there. And more than likely, they either came from Dr. Dre's camp or they're produced by Dr. Dre or uh, something to that effect. Like the biggest stars from uh, NWA to Snoop to Eminem to 50 Cent to Game to now Kendrick Lamar. I mean, like it just on and on and on. Dude has like a 40 year track record and uh the halftime show is shaping up to be one of the best ones ever um people don't realize that the talent they don't get paid for these super bowl appearances and dr dre is paying for this entire halftime show so uh i don't know what to expect but it's dr dre eminem kendrick lamar snoop and mary j blige uh and just hearing that lineup makes you feel like they're going to be more people there's going to be some surprise uh performers in this like i could easily see i think they're in uh, california yeah. i could see ice cube come out or i could see uh man it could go anywhere <laughs> like it literally could go anywhere with this uh so definitely interested in that my super bowl pick um i know people are looking at like green bay kansas city um I, I don't think Green Bay is going to make it. I think Green Bay is going to fall before they get there. I, I'm really looking at the 49ers for some reason. The 49ers seem to stick out to me as that one team that's playing well right now that plays hard and nobody – it's really – people don't want to tackle in January, man. Like, they, by the time you get to January, they don't want to tackle people. And the 49ers and their run game, they go looking for people to hit. And that's different. Like, it's different when you're out there looking for somebody to hit as opposed to trying to not get hit. Uh, the 49ers are a very interesting team. It would not surprise me at all if they get all the way there, but I'm going to go with, if the Chiefs get there, that'd be like the third year in a row, wouldn't it? That's so hard. Mm, I think I'm going to go, this is so random, Bills versus Rams in the Super Bowl. Um the Rams pushed all their chips in for this year, so they got to get there. Um, 
they're playing a Tampa team that's banged up. Uh, I think they have enough firepower to beat Green Bay in Lambeau. Uh, and I think they, their defense matches up well against the 49ers if they see them. Uh, on the other side, the Bills, it feels like they've been kind of building to this moment. It, I'm picking the Bills more so because I don't believe the Chiefs can get back to the Super Bowl for a third straight year because it's so hard to do. It's only happened like twice. So uh, eventually that window c- closes. And then it felt I feel like once you've reached the Super Bowl, you have a four-year window to get back. And this is year four for the Chiefs. Uh, they've basically played an extra 12 games or whatever it is, more than, than most of the other teams have. And that attrition usually catches up to you. So I'm going to go Bills, Rams in the uh, Super Bowl, although that prediction will probably be no good by 9.30 Sunday. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll see. But that's where I'm going to stick with right now. Okay, I got Green Bay, Kansas City. But if the Bills were to get to the Super Bowl, hopefully they could wash away the stench of the curse from those 90s Bills teams, Jim Kelly, Bruce Smith, Thurman Thomas, Don Beebe. Andre Reed and all those guys, because if they would have won at least one or two Super Bowls, we're talking about one of the greatest teams to ever be assembled. Those '90s Bills teams, coached by Marv Levy. Oh yeah, I'd actually, I just watched the uh, Four Falls of Buffalo, the Thirty for Thirty on that Buffalo Bills '90s team uh, on ESPN Plus. It's one of the better ones that they have, and you forget about all the Hall of Famers that are on that team. Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed, Bruce Smith, uh, Daryl Talley. I mean, you just go down the line. That team should have won that first one at least. Um, it's funny, too, because think of it like this. If the Chiefs hadn't won against the 49ers a couple of years ago, we might be talking about the Chiefs in the same vein that we talk about those Bills uh, teams from the 90s. They would have you know, made the Super Bowl and lost two or three times, and uh, you never want to be that team, but the Chiefs, just shows you the way history is in sports man the Chiefs that close to being that or the Bills are that close to being one of the most dominant teams of all time but without a ring you can't really consider them that so Mm. just the way the ball bounces sometimes nope and for that halftime show whoever's working the delay button better be paid overtime because it's going to be a lot of sea walking a lot of four-letter expertise and we may get a cameo with Eli rocking his death row chain doing hit him up the Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers Mahomes pretty much all the new school era quarterbacks I didn't know uh Snoop had the ability to give out death row chains I don't know if that was his to give out but uh <laughs> either way it should be interesting to see I am it's gonna be one of those halftime shows where I'm not gonna walk off and go do something else I'm gonna stick around for it some of my favorite artists uh, involved with that so uh the Super Bowl should be pretty fun yeah very good and I also want to mention uh 336 native Tory Holt is also a finalist for the Hall of Fame this year Gibsonville native uh my mom's family's from Sedalia so uh I'm like right around the corner um I want to say you went to Eastern Guilford if I'm not mistaken yeah so, I think you went to East Guilford yeah so uh shout out to Tory Part of the greatest show on turf, one of my favorite NFL teams of all time, the 99 St. Louis Rams. Uh, they were out there just doing crazy stuff on offense for about a three-year stretch, 99 to 2001. So uh, happy for Tory. Hopefully he uh, gets in on uh, the first ballot. Yeah, he probably will get in, although I'm still salty at the Rams for beating the Titans that Super Bowl because I was rooting for Eddie George and uh, Steve McNair, rest <laughs> in peace. And they were one yard short, but – 
one of the greatest teams ever to play and Kurt Warner, great story. And if you go see the movie American Underdog, definitely check that out. You see his rise from Arena Football League, stocking grocery store shelves to being Super Bowl champ, league MVP and Hall of Famer. So definitely a great flick if you want to check that out. Now switch to the NBA really quick. So do you think the Phoenix Suns have enough to get back to the finals to show that last season wasn't a one-hit wonder? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, matter of fact, I think the Suns are the team to beat right now. Um, perfect blend of youth and experience. Uh, Devin Booker is a star. CP3, the point guard, he's uh, probably top five point guard of all time uh maybe you could say um deandre Aiden, a true back to the basket center which i still adore um and they've got they've got guys that know their roles mikhail bridges and others they know exactly what they're supposed to do in this offense and they have fun they score a lot uh they play defense uh the only team really in the west that i see might that could potentially give them problems is the golden state warriors uh i don't think anybody predicted the warriors are going to be this good and now you know integrating clay back into the mix and eventually james wiseman uh golden state has enough and they match up against goal uh, against phoenix really well matter of fact so uh kind of expecting that makes me sad because i'm a laker fan so i'm having to watch what my lakers are going through right now they're just not the the team is built funny it's built like somebody pulled out nba 2k and was like what if i put together an all-star team from 2016 like what would it look like and they just kind of threw <laughs> all this stuff on the lakers uh yeah anthony davis has been hurt uh yeah russell westbrook can't shoot um yeah it looks like sometimes lebron stat padding a little bit but um i don't know man they, they seem like maybe they can get something going second half of the season but this laker team is not constructed to win a championship pre, uh, currently the way it is right now I agree. I think Westbrook probably may get traded by trade deadline. I also think Phoenix may make a trade to try to counter Golden State because they're probably thinking we're probably going to see them in the conference finals unless someone knocks them off early. And I was actually surprised that the Bulls and the Cavs in the East and how well they're playing. Yeah, the Cavs in particular, I didn't realize they're starting like three seven-footers like right now. So they're like the tallest team in the league, uh, they're doing pretty well. I think they're playing without Colin Sexton. I think he got hurt. So um, Cavs are doing pretty well. The Bulls lead the East right now uh, with a young team. My Charlotte Hornets have won six of their past seven. Uh, so they're climbing up the board on the Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference has got some skill. they got some talent over there, some young talent too. So uh, I don't know how it's going to end up in the end, but uh, watch out for my Charlotte Hornets. They, they are playing really well. They've got five dudes that are averaging over 15 points per game right now. Uh, Melo just had a triple double a couple nights ago. Uh, they're finally starting to win on the road and something people don't realize the Hornets have played the least amount of home games of any other NBA team, uh, to date. They have a whole backlog of home games where they're playing exceptionally well. So this team's only going to get better, uh, health permitting, uh, the Hornets may have something to say here in the Eastern conference, uh, when it's all said and done. Yeah. At the end of the day for the NBA finals, I think it's going to be warriors bucks. I will say Nets, but with Kyrie's situation, knowing that he's only able to play part-time when it's on the road, if game seven comes down to them being at Barclays, he may not be able to play because of New York's vaccination rules. So I think Brooklyn may intentionally try to slide down in the seating to avoid that possible scenario. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be Warriors Bucks. And I got um, Warriors probably popping the champagne again. 
because once again, it's almost like you get everybody back. It's like when Thanos got all the stones in the glove and Draymond has the glove on. He's like, ah! That's how the Warriors <laughs> are right now. Oh, you thought you forgot? You thought we were gone? I think they were better without Durant, to be honest. Uh, that was the thing for me. I prefer them the way they're playing right now. When they got Durant, they just kind of went super seon and just were like, well, we've got two of the best five players in the league. We're just going to give it to them. Before Durant got there, though, they were the most fun team to watch. Steph was Steph. Clay was Clay. Draymond's running everything. And the Warriors, man, they spent that year last year and before just kind of retooling the offense to fit the Splash Brothers. Like the guys they have over, like Gary Payton Jr. and uh, those type of guys, they've perfectly rebuilt what they had in 2015 and 2016 to the point where this can last a while. Uh, you know, this can this can be here for a while. The Warriors are going to be contenders for the next three or four years with the presently construed lineup. They don't need another superstar or whatever. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is a former number one pick. He's playing his role exceptionally well in this offense. Um, the Warriors are going to be around. The Warriors are going to be around for a while. So everyone just needs to get used to uh, the Warriors. Yeah, just watch out and briefly touch back on the Suns with them having the best record currently in the league. It takes away all the distractions that came out with the story that came out about owner Robert Sarver and his racist, misogynistic behavior. And then also Aiden not getting the bag and is pretty much playing for a big contract. Yeah, I was surprised they didn't uh, go ahead and get Aiden locked up uh, in the offseason. Um, but Robert Sarver is known to be notoriously cheap when it comes to re-signing players or bringing players in on free agency. So it didn't surprise me too much, but they run the risk of maybe losing Aiden uh, down the road if they don't play their hands right, which would uh, destroy what the Suns have built the past two years by not having Aiden in the middle. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Suns are equipped to do this right now too. Uh, I don't know how much longer Chris Paul has to play. I believe he's 35 if last I checked. So he's probably got a couple more years in him, but I can see why he stayed. He could have went anywhere. He could have went to the Lakers in the offseason and decided to stay in Phoenix. And the Suns, I believe, are at the top of the West right now. Mm, yeah, they are top of the West. Golden State is currently three and a half games back of Phoenix. But I know the 336 was buzzing heavy when he made it to the finals. I mean, Lil Wayne was there courtside when they beat the Clippers. LeBron was courtside at a couple of the finals game, rooting his brother on. And Chris Paul's already a first ballot certified NBA basketball Hall of Famer, named to the 75 anniversary team. He just needs that ring to really officially put that stamp on, even though he already got everything else. Yeah, I mean, because that's what really what separates him from like Magic and Isaiah uh, and Curry. Uh, you know, Curry's got three and uh, or two. Wait, how many does Steph Curry have? Steph Curry uh, has two rings. No, yeah, I want to say three. I, I want to say three. Yeah, he's had three. He won one without Durant, and then they won two with him. Um, but then again, Steph Curry is the only league MVP in history to be unanimously voted league MVP. Wilt didn't do that. Jordan didn't do that. Shaq didn't do that. So Curry's still on a different level than what uh, Chris Paul is. But <clears throat> Paul's in a, a situation where, yeah, he just needs a ring to justify and validate his his. Uh, his his career and status as a top five all-time point guard because he's not going to catch John Stockton's all-time assist record it's way out there no one's going to catch it he's never going to do the steals record it's too far out there uh for Stockton 
no one's going to catch that one either. So like, I think Chris Paul would have to play like an extra 10 years or something to, to, to catch it. Uh, and he's at 35 right now. So uh, top five point guard in my mind, but if he gets a ring that elevates him into that magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas level, Steph Curry level of point guards. Mm-hmm. And one guy in the league who I'm glad everybody's starting to pay attention to. And everybody knows he's a superstar boy. is something serious. And that's that boy, John Morant out of Memphis. Yeah, Morant's a problem. Um, John Morant has made everyone forget that Zion Williamson was the number one pick in that draft. Um, and maybe has the Pelicans wondering if they should have picked John Morant. Uh, he just, his spring off the floor is just, his hops are just ridiculous. And he's able to do some things that we haven't really seen a person that size do. Um, he's almost like a more athletic Allen Iverson, which is crazy to say, but he kind of that's what he kind of reminds me of he reminds me of ai but like more athletic he can do more things he can jump higher he can uh he had that two-handed block a couple nights ago it was just, i think it was against the lakers it was just ridiculous um he's good man he's good he's got memphis in contention right now uh i feel bad about what's going on with zion and his injuries they might as well just shut him down for the year we're already going into february and he hasn't played a game yet so and protect that investment. But John Morant's the real deal. Uh, the, the, the Grizzlies got them one with him. Yeah, and I predict in the next three to five years, you can say you heard this first on Beyond the Album Cover that I think the Pelicans are going to end up leaving New Orleans, going to Seattle, becoming the Supersonics again, and the NBA is getting a team in Vegas. Say that again, man. I said that I think the Pelicans are going to leave New Orleans and they're going to return to Seattle to reform the new Supersonics and the NBA will get a new team in Las Vegas since you already have the Raiders there and you have the WNBA team, the Aces there, which I believe they just named Becky Hammond the head coach out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that. I don't know how how hard the NBA is pushing to get a team back in Seattle. Um, I'd imagine they probably want to put one in Vegas first before they put one in Seattle, but um, the Pelicans are owned by the Benson family uh, that also owns the Saints. And... Um, if I'm not mistaken still, mm-hmm. and I could see them being sold again or something. Uh, the question with them is what do they do with Zion? Like, do you still wait it out and try to see if you can make this work or go ahead and trade him now while his trade value is still relatively high? I've been on record since he was at Duke. And I was like, look, the dude is, a, I think he's the second heaviest person in the NBA right now, like at 285 or something like that. But he's six foot six. Like that's an NFL left tackle. Um, that's Michael Orr, <laughs> you know, like in terms of like, if you really sit there and think about it, he cannot survive a decade in the NBA running three, four miles per game, carrying all that weight on his knees. And we're starting to see him have a lot of lower body injuries. And I think a lot of it's because of the weight he's carrying. Now, like going to New Orleans where everything's fried, seafood, battered up, probably wasn't the best place for him to go to start his career. But uh I feel like in like a year or so, Zion's going to be a New York Nick anyway. So I feel like the Knicks are making a push to reunite uh, those three from that Duke team from 2019. They just landed Reddish last week, already had R.J. Barrett. They get Zion too. Now you're kind of doing a little something-something. So I think that's the game plan for the Knicks anyway. Uh, We'll see if they try to pursue Zion. Yeah, because if you look at um, New Orleans and Louisiana, that area, football crazy. LSU, the Saints. So it kind of seemed like basketball 
was just there. And that was probably one of the main reasons why the Jazz left New Orleans to go to Utah because they figured we're never going to overtake football in this state. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, especially in the South. Football is just king wherever you go in the South. Uh, he's just... With Zion, I, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. I don't think that uh, he can't do what he wants to do with the weight he's at. And that's basically what it comes down to. And yeah. unless he gets to a place that really makes him lose some weight and get in a, basically the shape he was in at Duke. At Duke, he's probably in the best physical position, uh, the physical form that he's been in his entire life. But that's because Duke had guys with him 24-7 telling him what to eat, when to work out, where to be. Once he got to the pros, he didn't have that anymore, and it shows. So... I don't know what's going to happen with Zion. I wish him the best, but I can't sit here and say that we didn't see what's happening now uh, back in 2019 when he was at Duke. So Yeah, Zion's been enjoying the Cafe Dumont beignets and those crawfish bowls a little bit too much down in the 504. They just need to have a picture of him up at every restaurant and say, if you see this man, do not give him nothing. Have him go to the free. <laughs> he probably gets everything for free where no matter where he goes that's probably the problem he's probably getting baguettes and shrimp and all kinds of stuff just walking down uh you know beale street or whatever so i, I don't know we'll see we'll see what happens with zion he's got yeah. a long road to go yeah nutrisystem slim fast valleys getting to gold's gym do something because you definitely need it because he has football weight now to shift gears to music uh shout out to uh chris lee and dennis cox and the culture state podcast they just recently had ski beats on legendary hip-hop producer from north carolina triad specifically responsible for getting jay-z in the game with a uh, production on reasonable doubt he was also featured on uh, can i get open by original flavor he also did production for Camp Low, Uptown Saturday Night, and then the Hot Right Right Now record. But he got to start with the triad-based rap group, The Busy Boys. So since you are a native of the triad, can you talk about how important The Busy Boys and Ski Beats were to the triad history in hip-hop before Ski Beats really got a national foothold with uh, Jay-Z? Well, any mention of the Busy Boys here uh, in North Carolina, the Triad, you got to start off with uh, my man, Dana Lucci, uh, rest in peace. He passed, it's been two years now, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he uh, did a lot for the hip hop scene, independent scene here in the uh, the Triad, uh, he being Dana. Ski went off, this thing came back, um, started uh, a little label here, uh, a little imprint. Uh, but yeah, Busy Boys is probably one of the first true rap groups that kind of broke through with uh, albums and whatnot here. I guess late 80s, um, early 90s uh, era around. And uh, I got exposed to a lot of, through Dana. Um, Dana, we became really good friends uh, when I was in college at UNCG. I was doing uh, radio at uh, WURL. And uh, you've done that also, uh, being a former Spartan. And uh, I used to do a hip hop show on Friday nights and um, Dana would uh, either come through or he would be there the show before mine. Uh, and we would chop it up, talk, talk about radio edits and how to make them and what was hot right now. This is like 2001, 2002, when hip hop was just kind of at its peak in terms of all four corners of the map were involved in hip hop and what was going on. There was a little bit of something for everybody. And uh 
miss Dana tremendously. He was a huge loss uh, for the community, the hip hop community here in the tribe in particular. Uh, people still feel that people still feel that pain from him being gone. So uh, shout out to Dana and the legacy that he left behind. Uh, shout out to Ski and what they what they built and what's kind of grown from that here in the triad, which is a uh, I'd say a fairly burgeoning uh, hip hop scene. I'm not in it as deeply as I was, say, 10 years ago, um, but I, I keep my ears to the ground. I, you know, I try to keep up with who's out there and who's doing what and everything. But it's a young man's game. Uh, you know, I always heard that, and never really believed it. But I just had my 44th birthday this past week. And it's true. <laughs> it's the young man's game doing that kind of thing and keeping up with the latest uh, of what's going on. So. Yeah, don't look it, bro. I mean, for our age, we grew up during golden era hip hop. And of course, it's not as heavily marketed and promoted as your current hip hop. But there's still hip hop music for those of us that missed the era of the boom bap. Nas just dropped a surprise album a couple of weeks back, which is very good. So you still have folks from that time period, 80s, 90s era, that's still giving us quality hip hop. And if you're into uh, TV dramas, the show Queens, Definitely gives us that 90s golden era hip hop vibe with uh, Eve Brandy, who is an assassin on the mic, folks. Notari from uh, 3LW, formerly of 3LW. And I can't recall the other woman's name that's playing the fourth chick, but the music producer, executive producer, is Swiss Beats. Hmm. Okay. I haven't checked that show out. I've heard about it, but uh, I hadn't checked it out. I'll have to go check it out and see if it's on a. Uh... Hulu, or I imagine it's on Hulu or something. I could catch up with it. So yeah, it's on it's on Hulu since it's currently on the air. But for me, it felt good to see Eve spit sixteen again to let people know she's still the illest pit bull in a skirt. <laughs> yeah, I, I've like I said, I've heard a lot about the show. Just haven't had a chance to check it out. Um, definitely will look it up and see uh see what it's about. Yeah, dope, a dope feature. Now, here's where you know where you feel old as dirt. I'm seeing young kids now wearing hoodies and shirts with Tupac's pictures on it and have Poetic Justice on it. I'm like, you weren't even born when Poetic Justice was out. <laughs> you don't know the legacy of Tupac and what he meant to hip hop. So do you think now with the different generations coming in and feeling like 90s era is involved with BT re-airing New York Undercover, rest in peace, James and Tume? Um, that a lot of the younger generation still want to feel that authenticity of the era of hip hop and R&B that we grew up with. I think it's coming back around full circle. Um, the 90s in particular, a lot of stuff is coming back around uh, that you saw in the 90s. Um, a lot of fashion, a lot of hairstyles. Uh, I'm starting to hear more sampling now again back in hip hop of songs that we grew up on in the nineties, people are finally coming back around and sampling those joints. Um, and we kind of expected it to eventually come, everything runs in circles. So eventually it was going to come back around. It's just kind of crazy for me growing up in the nineties as a teenager and a young adult uh, to see it all coming back around now. Cause now I can go dig back in my closet and pull stuff out that I ain't wore in forever. And it's back in again. So uh, like Tommy Hilfiger, like Tommy Hilfiger's back all of a sudden, like it was gone for a while. Now all of a sudden, uh that's back in fashion or whatnot um a lot of there's a lot of different things uh that have come back around and i do a lot of stuff with younger kids sports wise here in the triad with tobacco road uh with athletics and we do a lot of like coaches shows and 
podcasts and interviews and stuff with these kids, these four and five star kids that are littered all over the triad. And a lot of times we'll ask them, you know, what are you listening to right now, music wise or whatever? And surprisingly, the majority of them say they're listening to classic hip hop. Like, you know, I'll ask somebody like, well, right now I'm more into classic hip hop. I like Tupac. I like Biggie. I like Nas. I like Big Pun, like stuff like that. And it kind of takes you back. You're like, oh, wow, you're just 16. And you know about these guys. They're like, yeah, like I, I prefer that to what's out right now. So it's almost like finally there's some pushback to the monotonous uh, tone that hip hop has started to take where kind of everybody sounds the same. The beats are all kind of the same. Nobody's really saying a whole lot of anything. We grew up in an era where hip hop was kind of like our guide. Like it kind of taught us what to look at politically. It taught us what to, to be mentally. Uh, if you're a minority or if you weren't a minority, what it felt like to be one. It taught us about police brutality. It taught us about uh, things that are happening on the other side of the, the, the uh, country that you may not be aware of. Uh, it felt like a teaching tool and that's been missing for a while, really, probably since I got out of college. So really the past 15 years, it feels like that's not there or it's not readily accessible. Um, you kind of got to know where to go look for it. Whereas before it would just be on the radio or something and you would find it, it would, it would find you. Now the, the role is yours. You have to go and find that stuff. And that makes it a little bit harder makes people not necessarily want to work as hard to find the good music uh and a lot of good music gets lost in the shuffle because of it but you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube once it's out so it's just a matter of figuring out how to find the stuff that talks to you uh it's just in a different medium i, I tell people all the time that music itself has not changed but the way we process it has whether it's uh vinyl to eight track to cassette to cd to mp3 uh, to now where everything's basically all streamed and all in one spot. Uh, the method in which we consume music changes and will forever change, but the method of making good music has not. The way you make good music 30 years ago, you still basically follow that path today. And uh, those that don't, don't make good music. So it's kind of one of those things where uh, if you have good music, people will find it. It's just, there's a lot more trees in the forest now. So you got to work a little bit harder. Yeah, because it's crazy how vinyl sales are up and people are wanting to get that old school analog sound, how back when we were coming up, we had to go to the record store to get a vinyl, cassette, CD, or if you really had money, you used to call this channel called The Box. It was a 900 number. You had to pay, I think, at least $199 or $299, get that three-digit number to request what song you wanted, and it was like the early version of video on demand, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. yeah uh i saw they just put a documentary out about the box uh not that long ago uh i think it's out um we didn't really have the box here um or i didn't anyway i didn't have cable until i was like 17 or whatever so uh we had to depend on man back when i was a kid young in the triad they used to have a video station uh here uh channel 61 and uh, they used to play music videos. And if you didn't have cable, that was how you got music videos here in the triad. Like I'm really showing my age now because it's been so long since that station existed. But I remember the last day that they were on the air, uh, they played Weird Al Yankovic's Eat It back to back for like 24 hours straight. And then they went off the air. Um, it was the weirdest thing. But I, for some reason, as a kid, I still vividly remember 
them playing that video over and over and over again and then like that like the whole station everything was gone and now i think it's like a religious station or something like that but before that it was a music video station here in the triad and they would play everything and it was free it was over the air tv and uh that might have been the first exposure a lot of people had to hip-hop videos uh in the triad that would have been uh mid 80s um when that was going on so crazy 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 and in the broadcasting industry we would call that a stunt and i believe the documentary you're referring to is uh you're now watching video music box that was directed by nas and it talks about the legacy of video music box uncle ralph mcdaniels which is still going on to this day because if you grew up in the tri-state area new york new jersey connecticut it's an institution but thanks to the internet everybody around the world can now understand the significance of video music box and Robert Daniels has a room full of footage, VHS tapes from all of I the saw, years yeah. of I video I saw music box. Yeah, like, yeah, his basement is just like VHS tapes, like rows and rows and rows and rows of all these different shows. I think he's the only one that has them. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, because when I saw the Wu Tang doc and he went into the room with the archival footage, I'm sitting there. I'm like, yeah, you better get this converted. You do not know how long VHS tapes last. And he has yep. a website where he's doing a collection to get all those archives digitized, which I say go donate because he literally has history in VHS tapes. Now, speaking of history, uh, this be the last thing we're going to talk about before I get you on out of here. Um, by the time this airs, uh, Janet Jackson's documentary, part one of it at least, will have dropped. And are you surprised that she is willing to open up now where she's notoriously been very private and hush hush about her life outside of the spotlight uh no not really joe's passed joe jackson's no longer here with us so i think uh a lot of the stuff that the jacksons probably kept under wraps uh and and put it behind religion they're all jehovah's witnesses so um i think a lot of that stuff will start to come out more and more now um as they get older and uh there's money there there's money to be had there by telling those stories people still love the jacksons people love that family uh and the work that they put out so uh no i i I, with joe jackson no longer here with us i feel like you'll probably hear more and more i'm surprised we haven't heard more um from the jacksons um about that but uh, now janet janet's probably the second most popular jackson behind michael um and i know she's gone through some things the past couple years herself so no, it doesn't really surprise me. do not really surprise me at all, actually. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to it. I had a chance to go see her a couple years ago in Vegas when she did her short residency for Metamorphosis. And if you get a chance, folks, to go see Janet, do. Because for me, it was the closest thing to getting to go see Michael. I mean, just her impact on what she's meant to the music industry, pop culture. You can look at the likes of Christina, Britney, Beyonce, Zendaya, Sierra, pretty much every female artist that came out within the past 30, 40 years have been influenced in some way, shape, or form by Janet Jackson. She was supposed to, uh, that concert, she was supposed to come here to Winston-Salem. It uh, got canceled in 2020 because of COVID, but uh, she had been scheduled to come here. Um, and we, me and my wife actually looked at it to see how much it would be. I think the tickets were crazy though. I think they're like 200 a ticket or something nuts, but uh, COVID canceled that whole concert. So it'd be interesting to see if she decides to do that uh, and try to go back out again. 
Yeah, so folks, once again, be safe out in these streets. Omicron is not playing. Get the jab, make an informed decision, do what's best for you. And there's uh before I let you go, any shout-outs you want to give, plug the people where they can hear Tobacco Road Sports Radio, wherever you stream, and also in the track. Um, yeah, shout out to uh, everybody involved with Tobacco Road Sports Radio right now. Uh, it's grown tremendously since we launched uh, a little over a year and some change ago. Uh, the rundown is back on Triad Airways. We were off about a year or so uh, after the move from WSGS Sports. Uh, it's back on now, WWBG, uh, 1470 AM, every Saturday morning live at 10 AM, uh, rotating uh, panel of, of guests. We just had Chris Lee on uh, an hour ago, matter of fact. Um, so shout out to Chris and everybody that was on this past week's episode. If you missed them, you can go to YouTube, you can go to Facebook Watch, you can go to our Twitter uh, page at Tobacco Radio to watch those there. Um, shout out to everybody who's doing shows right now at Tobacco Road. Uh, shout out to the schools in the community that have allowed us to come in to spotlight their kids, uh, whether it's football, basketball, uh, softball, baseball, whatever it may be, uh, opening the door to allow us to, to focus on reporting on the the talent that's right underneath our nose when so many media outlets in the triad have shrunk in size and are unable to do so we're able to get in places where other people can't so uh very uh appreciative of that shout out to southern broadcasting uh our deal where a lot of our programming is also simulcast on their terrestrial radio stations here in the triad stuff like high school football game of the week rundown franchise players uh that stuff is running right now with them so Shout out to them for the partnership we have with them. And uh, shout out to people like you, Gerald, that are still putting out content. Uh, content is king. Um, content's what kept me sane in 2020. When everything shut down, I was just constantly putting out content to stay busy. And because of it, it grew into what eventually became Tobacco Road. So shout out to all the podcasters out there, all the um, the, the young graduates looking to break their way into an industry that keeps changing on them. Uh, just a shout out to the fans of Tobacco Road who have stuck with us through last year and watched us grow. Y'all have been a major part of that growth. So uh, just shout out to everybody that's been a, a participant in this. And you, you share a lot of our content as well. So uh, I want to thank you for doing that, Jarrell, and uh, and definitely keep uh, uh, your podcast going. Yeah, for sure. Like Ace Boogie, everybody eats. I like the content that Tobacco Road puts out. It keeps me updated with what's going on in the triad. I consider 336 my second home. Spent my formative years in Greensboro at UNCG. So 336 is home. So next time when I come out that way, we got to do a barbecue tour, bro. I got to take you to some spots down east, 252 side of the state. And then we got to drive down to Lexington hey. to get that Lexington style barbecue. Let's do it. Just let me know. I'm yeah. you ain't gotta hit me twice for a barbecue trek. I'm I'm there. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, just yeah let for, me know. For, for sure. We'll we'll go from 252 to 919 to 336, 704, and just eat drink be merry and you can catch this podcast wherever you stream your podcast and on youtube at youtube.com slash beyond the album cover so ladies and gentlemen three-time guests first time ever yes three-time guests on beyond the album cover my boy my good friend desmond johnson of tobacco road sports radio des thank you once again for coming on the podcast bro hey man anytime just let me know whenever you need me brother i'm there and uh keep doing what you're doing all right bet